Jay, when you say that you are a leadership coach and speaker, I know that to be just a portion of what you are, but it's kind of a, a marquee that you put out there about you and your personal brand. How much of that actually represents the who that you are? That's a good question. I would probably say it's just a portion of who I am. I mean, I work in the world of operations and I lead a, a fairly large team of people. And I think that's where the leadership came from. I think that's where the mentorship came from, therefore the coaching. And I think that's what led into everything else. So I think just that synopsis is probably just a very little portion of who I really am. I like to think that I'm, you know, working in the world of operations, I like to think that I'm a, a mentor to my team, but I would say also the coaching leads to outside of my team. I work with people outside of my team all the time. I had a coaching meeting right before this. So it's the synopsis or the main point is to just help other people. I can certainly respect that. And I, I certainly respect you and, and thank you for coming on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast so that you might help some of our listeners understand your unique point of view about all things whatever. Because this show doesn't have an agenda other than to really get people to open up about what makes them tick, what they can offer to the world, and ideally what value they can bring to listeners of this podcast. And that's why I, I definitely wanted to have you on because we had a great conversation on your podcast. And one of the things that I was really impressed with is that in everything you just said, you were talking about leadership and leading teams, but it didn't feel to me like it was me and my team it was more like I am of the team, I am behind the team, I am certainly directing the team, but I didn't get that blatant, I am the leader of the team no. thing. Is that true to kind of your style? No, absolutely. And it's funny because I just took over a new team. I, I have a new client, therefore I have a new staff that we oversee a large federal organization across the country. And by taking over this team, they're just, they're not used to me. They just met me for the first time and I give them full autonomy to run their book of business. And it's something that they weren't used to. So they keep saying, well, you know, what do you think I should do here? How do you think I should handle this? And my response back to them is, well, it's your team. What do you think? And we walk through the scenarios of what they think. And by the end of it, they're making their own decisions. And I think that's really what it's about is empowering your team to make decisions and then they should be, you know, if, if they're going to go off course, and obviously we want to correct them and coach them and walk through it. But most of the time, I think most people have the ability to walk themselves through a decision. And especially if you give them the room and the grace to allow that decision to happen. And I've worked for all sorts of different teams, some that were driven by a lead singer of the band where everyone was expected to make them look good. They would take credit for the songwriting of that band. And I don't mean literal songwriting. I may have guitars behind me, but I'm not talking about that type of, but they would literally take credit for every aspect of it. And they were parsimonious in not sharing the glory, the kudos, the plaudits that the, the work we did may have received. I think that's a huge miss. I think you're probably agreeing with that internally. And well, let me just ask you that question. Do you agree that leadership is not about taking credit, but it's about giving credit? Oh, absolutely. I don't take credit for my team and their actions at all. I always allow my team to take the credit, even when it's not 100% theirs. I want to give it to them. I want them to, to feel that 
appreciation, not just by myself, but by the senior leadership board members. I want them to understand why our team is successful. Never once do I ever go to my senior leadership, the board of directors, and say that, hey, this is because of something I did. It's because of what my team has done. My team has been able to make this successful because of the effort they put in over here or over here. I think that's really more important than trying to take credit for myself. I think everybody realizes it's a team effort. Everybody knows who is going to take the fall if the team does something wrong. So I don't think there's any need to point out, hey, this was my idea. This was my thing. It really does come down to a, a team effort. And I've had team members in the past, not at this organization, but at the past, where they don't believe that you're giving them credit. They don't believe that you're allowing the team to shine a little bit. So I think it comes with transparency and for you to take the time to be transparent and include them, you know, tag them on an email where you're sending off to leadership to say, you know, how great the project was and why it was great or allow them to participate in a conference call so that leadership can get to know your team, you know, not only give them credit, but get to know your team. Because the only way those people are ever going to move up is if you coach them and you work with them to, to move up in the organization. So if you're the type of manager who doesn't give your team credit, doesn't include your team on the conference calls or with the board of directors or whoever else the senior leadership team might be, your team's never going to have the ability to, to move up because they're, they're just not going to know who they are. It takes somebody to be your champion. I had a champion at one point, and I think it's important to be the champion of others. That makes total sense to me. But then again, I, like you, I'm in the Midwest. That's the way we roll in general. You know, there are plenty of people who are narcissistic or me, me, me oriented where we come from, but it's not as bad as places like Texas or California or New York, to be honest. And that's in my not so humble opinion. <laughs> but I think you know what I mean, which is, well, I wanted to put it this way. Your leadership style is clear, it's confident, but it's also on the softer side of Sears when it comes to volume. It's a little bit more what I like to call big dog doesn't have to bark. Meaning when you're the big dog, all you have to do is be calm and definitive and you've got everybody's attention in the room. When you're a small dog, you've got to bark and whine and you know jump all over the place to assert your leadership. I know which style I prefer. I've, I've worked for both and I try to practice one of them. And let me tell you, the style I don't want to practice is the little dog style, if you know what I mean. Have I captured kind of your point of view or your modus operandi when it comes to that type of leadership? No, I think you're spot on. I mean, I'm an Italian from Boston, so by nature, I should be loud and boisterous, which I'm sure in my younger days I was. But once I get married and realized what was truly important and sat there and worried about my career and how I would advance, that allowed me to reflect back onto what I was doing and it allowed me to transfer that down to my team. I think by taking that time to transfer it down to my team, that's what allowed us to, to grow and it's what allows me to grow as a leader. So I'm very soft-spoken at this point. I'm very calm, pretty even-keeled. I don't get too excited. I don't get too upset. Just yesterday, I had a conference call where... The person on the call was very, very angry. Just, you know, I guess they must have had some somebody come down on them that day, but they were very angry, very, you know, trying to push their point and push their point and push their point to the point of where they were trying to get a rise out of the people on the call. And to me, that's useless. It's I don't think that people should buy into that. They shouldn't bite and just sit there and state facts. Our world is nothing but facts. You know, this happened over here. How should we handle it? This is what I did to handle it. You know, what do you think? 
It's those type of things. It's just a factual thing. If we can stay calm and be factual, I think we're on the right path. Well, we have now established that you are a, a calm in the storm, no matter how stormy that storm might be, as an individual, as a leader, stylistically, etc. And yet, I see you creating a very effective, very awareness-oriented personal brand that perhaps belies what I would almost point to as a certain level of calm or taciturn, not shyness, but just kind of, I'm not going to scream at you. But <laughs> at the same time, you want to take credit for that which you are and create that personal brand. When did you actually begin crafting, creating, or what I like to say, projecting and protecting your personal brand? When did that actually start? There's a good story, a good point. I used to work in the entertainment industry. I did that for almost 30 years, 30 plus years, I would say. I moved to Nashville. I wanted to work making records and I did that and I was able to work my way up, but it took a long time. It takes a long time to break into that industry. Those who typically break into it are those who can outlast everybody else. It doesn't mean you're more talented than anybody else. It just means you are capable of outlasting everybody else. It took you longer to get married. It takes you longer to, to develop a family. It takes you longer to get responsibilities that you have to pay for. And that was me. I took a long time to get there and I was able to do it. But I did it without a mentor, any sort of formal help. And it took a long time to do that. So I think now, as I reflect back on it, I could have got there quicker if I had known some of the things that I know now. So I took that information and I applied it to the world of security and operations. And I was able to advance in that career much, much quicker just by taking that information I knew. So I think to answer your question, when I was in the entertainment industry, I was a, a recording engineer. I was the guy who pressed the big red button when the musicians played music because I wasn't, wasn't talented enough to play the music, so I still wanted to be part of it. So my strength was in pressing the buttons and making things sound a particular way. And I was one of the first people to have a, a website, and I, would, I just loved showing off the, the work. I wanted people to hear the stuff that I was working on. So before I was working on stuff that was on the radio, there had to be some way of delivering that information. So I put together a website, and I learned crafting websites and then I realized, hey, people are looking at this website. People are listening to this music. So then I said, okay, so maybe I should start promoting myself to try to get more business. And I started doing that. Where it all came from was crafting that website, developing the funnel for, for new clients. And then I started working with people that were a little bit more advanced than I was. So they started asking for some assistance. So I started helping them do it. Then I went to teach at a college. I was the director of education at one of the audio engineering schools in Nashville. And I felt like I didn't have the respect of my students the way that I would like to. And I ended up releasing a book. And when I did that, all of a sudden it was like instant change and the respect came from the students because they saw a book and I was the only instructor at that school that had written a book and that somehow gave me credibility. And then I realized, okay, that's just another way of developing a brand. And that led into writing leadership books. And it just keeps snowballing one thing after another. So it wasn't like I just woke up one day and wanted to do any one thing. There are things that lead to other things. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, especially when it comes to what you said early on about persistence. Longtime listeners of this podcast will know that I got my undergrad degree in theater. 
I was trying to finish an MFA in acting at the University of Southern California, and I didn't get that MFA. Instead, I got a DNF, did not finish, because <laughs> I could not persist in that environment because it was, it was like a squirrel in the ocean. I was in the wrong place. It was not for me. I couldn't take it. It did not feel right. It did not feel authentic. All, you know, plenty of different reasons why. But the main thing is I did not persist and instead shifted to something that was more completely aligned with my talents, my, you know, my background, my possible future. Do I miss it? Heck yeah. But am I here now because I made that change then? Absolutely. And when you talk about the snowballing, in my case, the snowballing started happening after I made that switch. And again, same thing, book. What a tremendous authority unlock for anybody who has a personal brand. A podcast, another unlock for someone who has a personal brand. It allows people like me to bring on experts like you and shine the spotlight on you. But again, as longtime listeners to this podcast know, I always say when you shine the spotlight on someone else, guess what? It reflects back on you. So Absolutely. by having Jay on my podcast, I am leveling up my personal brand by providing him a platform, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And before I go any further, I just want to shout out to one of the live stream, Rayson Chu from Singapore. Hey, Rayson, it's great to, great to see you watching on LinkedIn Live. Thanks, Very dude. Nice. It's great to, especially, it's great to hear from Southeast Asia because, you know, we here in the United States, we love to hear ourselves talk, but it's <laughs> really great to get people like Rayson on the podcast and give a different point of view from the other side of the world. So that's one of the things I love to do and why I'm talking to Jay Franzi here. Now, I, I listen to you as you describe your career and it's like, what haven't you done, man? You, you were an you were a, a engineer for music in Nashville. You're an operations guy who went, according to your resume, you're all over the place. And now you're working for a whole bunch of different groups at the same time. Is this all made possible because you made the decision a long time ago to start that snowball rolling and building your personal brand? No, I absolutely think it is. I know, again, if I take it back to the engineering world, I didn't know what I was doing at that time. And by taking the steps and strategically taking steps. I, I was trying to make a career out of it. And I did for, like you said, 30 years. And I think that was important. And I think taking those steps was important. And while I didn't have any formal mentor, I sure as hell did study under people that I was able to learn from. So I worked for some of the best, including a gentleman named Bob Bullock. He's produced countless albums. And so I, I learned from the best. And then taking that and applying it to a new career. So it didn't just happen overnight. I was working in entertainment and as that field changed and over the past you know, 20 years, it has taken a very hard left turn. And if you wanted to work in the business, you had to change with it. So I was producing artists and recording artists and they needed engineers to go on the road with them. So I tried that and I went and engineered a few shows and then I was working with them to line up the transportation for their shows. And that led into setting up security for their shows and back and forth to the hotels and so on and so forth. And I really enjoyed working in the security portion of it. And I enjoyed the logistics and putting things together. And that's when I went and had a very serious conversation with my wife and said, hey, this is something I would like to try. Do you have any objections to this? We're going to take a serious hit in income. 
And because we have children, I'm the sole provider. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, a job that I could never do. But it was a decision we had to make together, and she was all for it. She said, absolutely, go ahead, give it a try. At least try it for six months. So I did that. And within six months, I was entered into the world of operations and security. I got to work for one of the bigger companies in Tennessee at the time. And that led to another company that was a little larger and then eventually led to another. And I just kept, as I was working, I was building up things like my LinkedIn profile and things that were visible to the public. And that's how headhunters found me. And I just kept rising. And I was lucky that I did things strategically to allow me to grow. So the, all the things I talked about doing in the entertainment industry, I was able to, to do much, much faster. And within a five-year period of time in operations, I was able to grow from the bottom to the top. And then for the past, say, six or seven years now, that's where I've been, is trying to help other people in my field, in my industry, grow to the top. And obviously, that has led to teaching people outside of the, the industry as well. You almost sound like the old saying about luck. It's where preparation meets opportunity. And it also sounds like you weren't afraid to experience things and discover stuff. Like if you said to your young self, hey, you're going to have a business that deals in security for music acts. Would your younger self ever believe that? Never in a million years, no. Exactly, no, because you, you didn't know it existed. Just wanted to be in the music portion of it. Right. But by being and trying that, you were exposed to many different areas that are sub areas within that business that then, by the way, the things you learned for creating secure environments for performers for music acts, that translates to secure places and for businesses. You know, so security is not something that only exists in one area. It, it goes across sectors. So that opens up a whole lot of doors. And Again, we don't need to go into every aspect of your resume, but you can see the kind of what I like to think of as a cat's path across a field. There's no such thing as a straight cat path across a, a farm field. <laughs> it's something over here. It smells something. It crosses back over it, weaves all the way. You never know where it's going to go. And yet, once you look back, you see that everything was heading in the same direction. Steve Jobs, famous Stanford cement speech talks about you don't see the connection of the dots until you turn around and look at those dots and see how every dot connected to you to where you are today. But I'm going to say, my humble opinion, the big dot that allowed you to do this was the one where a anonymous, relatively anonymous engineer in, you know, in Nashville decides there's this new thing called the internet and <laughs> I can probably create this website. And, and by the way, Unlike my fellow music engineers who are relatively anonymous to anyone outside of Music Row, they aren't doing it. You did. You took that opportunity. You made that big step. And then you, and it wasn't a big step. Let, let, let me change the metaphor. It wasn't a big step. You scooped that small thing of snow, packed it tightly into a small snowball, and then set it rolling, not knowing exactly where it was going to go. But it's taken you to where you are now. And I find that fascinating because, again, I think listeners can tell you're a soft-spoken man who commands attention. The people, especially who are watching the live stream, will know that you've got a certain presence about you that is very calm and yet authoritative. 
it's what I said earlier. Big dog Please don't got to bark. <laughs> so is it okay if I call you a big dog, Jay? I need you to talk to my wife a little bit more often. There's a reason why people who actually have healthy and yet in check egos are that way. And it's that they have fantastic partners who continually let a little bit of air out of the balloon so it doesn't get too big. She she smacks the dog with the newspapers. Yeah, exactly. Before we go, I want to let you have the opportunity to tell listeners about your podcast and about where they might be able to engage with you if they were interested. Tell everybody about Francie and Friends, your podcast. But do you also have some social channels that you frequent more often than others? Yes. Friends and Friends is the podcast that you were so gracious to come and join us. It is a leadership development podcast. It's a talk show similar to this. We try to have fun with it. We bring on people who are leaders in their industry and we ask them to share their tips and tricks and secrets in order to grow in their career. And I think those tips and tricks and the secrets, as we call them, apply to any industry. So just as we're talking here tonight, things that we're talking about can be applied to any industry. Things I learned in the entertainment industry still applied to the world of operations and the world of security. Things I learned in operations apply to any other industry other than security. So that's the type of stuff that we share on our show. Be happy to have any new listeners. And if you do join, and please let me know where you came from. And then as far as social channels, you can find anything you need to know about me on my website, which is just jfranzi.com, J-A-Y-F-R-A-N-Z-E.com. And let me tell you, the Franzi and Friends is a great podcast. You should definitely check it out. You can get it anywhere. Find podcasts are free, right? That's true. Yes, sir. All right. So it's the usual suspects, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, blah, 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 blah. You name it. Just search for Franzi and Friends, F-R-A-N-Z-E. And that's Jay Franzi. Well, Jay, I do want to let you go tonight. I really appreciate you coming on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I would love listeners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love listeners to never forget it's really helpful for you to like, subscribe, refer other people to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. And if you really wanted to be a friend of mine, give it a review, an honest review, wherever you get this fine podcast for free, because that really does help other people find it. Well, you know, that is going to wrap it up for this week. I want to thank you again, Jay, for being on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. As always, I'm your host, D.P. Knuton, and he is Jay Franzi. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.